My guest on this week's episode of Susan Search is Petra Keys Herksig, Senior Solutions Engineer at Yext. Petra is an in-demand conference speaker who has been everywhere lately. A few places you might have heard of present include MozCon, SearchLove, and Brighton SEO. She is also an active member of the Women in Tech SEO community. Petra is an excellent blogger and writer. I started our conversation asking her about a recent blog post she wrote for Moz about the importance of soft skills in SEO. While it may seem obvious that SEOs need to work on their soft skills, I've met and worked with plenty of highly technical, highly effective SEOs who roll their eyes anytime the topic of soft skills comes up. Petra also gave one of my favorite talks at this year's MozCon. Her presentation was about things she learned from working with a sales team that every SEO should know. I love this chat because it went outside of the normal talk track of tactics and strategies and got to the heart of the everyday workplace conflict and how if we put ourselves in the shoes of a salesperson, we might learn a few things that make us better at our jobs. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Petra Keys Herxig. We'll talk about how being a proactive listener can make you a better SEO. We'll spend some time talking about SEO maturity within an organization. And I have to ask her about her talent for making some of the nicest looking presentation slides I've ever seen. All right, Petra, welcome to Southern Search. How are you doing? Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. It's great to have you on. Uh, you are fresh off of a very exciting summer and early fall. A um, couple of collaborations with Moz that I wanted to ask you about. The first was a blog post that came out this month. So we're filming this in September, so recently, yes. about the top five soft skills an SEO should develop. I think first, this might sound like an obvious thing, of course we need soft skills, but I know there's a percentage of people who are listening, maybe I'll just put it this way, there's a percentage of people on my team who roll their eyes whenever I have this conversation about uh, soft skills, so there's a perspective maybe that, you know, the work should matter, the performance should matter, and, and very little else. You know, where, wh why did you decide to focus on soft skills, and um, what, what sort of, you know, you know disagreement might you have with that that point of view? Yeah, no, thanks Thanks for that question. I, I love talking about soft skills because, as you said, I think it's not to say it's controversial, but it's probably um, often forgotten a bit. And understandably, because obviously we work in a very technical field, but I think the first thing I always say is that it doesn't matter if you work in a technical field, at the end of the day, we're all still working with people. So soft skills are just essential to pretty much any career, but I think it just gets really forgotten in, in SEO sometimes. Um, I really wanted to focus on this because I think it can really make career progression, learning processes much easier if you actually help, if, if you actually develop these soft skills. Um, yeah, so um, I thought I thought that uh, hopefully people will enjoy it and and learn something from it. Well, I love it and we will link to the post in the show notes. I wanted to point to my favorite of the top five soft skills if I, if I could. It's something you also brought up in your MozCon presentation, so there's a little bit of overlap, but one of the top five soft skills was storytelling. This is so important whether you're trying to get, you know, as you, as you mentioned in the MozCon presentation, buy-in from leadership or whether you're really just trying to uh, have a client call that ability to tell a story, I think, is really, really important. And so, you know, about a, damn, this is well over a year ago now, we started to really look at our client calls. So how our consultants were engaging with, with our clients. And one of the things we found was that they would read some statistic or some metric without any real story or reasoning. Our satisfaction with clients, I think, really improved 
when we started to emphasize, like, you can't, you've got to have a little bit more storytelling in these calls or clients are going to have a hard time. One of our, our top team leads, Jeff, he went so far as there's a rule. There's like no metrics without a story on his team. He's like, doesn't allow it. Yeah. In, in a big picture, how have you seen that, that storytelling ability play out over your career? Why is it so important? Well, I think, um, and especially with uh, with leadership, which was part of part of the topic as well, I think storytelling just is just really powerful to um, build connections and really, um, yeah, build connections and build trust and report in a much shorter period of time than what you would have if you would rely on the usual sort of educating your client. You don't always have the luxury to educate leadership, whether you're in-house or, or agency, um, you just don't always have that time. With a story, because we are all emotional human beings, you can really um, connect with people and, and you can, yeah, you can really tell a very complex sort of idea in in just a, a very relatable way. And and I think that that works really well in SEO and, and in probably probably most other industries. All right. Well, I love it. And, and the other one that I, I loved on the on the list was proactive listening. So proactive listening was one of the top five skills. This is, this is another one of these things that's really hard for me to do. I think we're busy people. You know, we've got a lot to do. Um, we have to get many things accomplished. And proactive listening requires us to slow down a little bit, which is hard. You know, you've got a lot going on. So it also takes a certain amount of humility, I think, to, to get there. But there are these benefits, right? Tell, tell our, our audience, if they're willing to do the work to be a proactive listener, what are some of the benefits that they might reap? Yeah, for sure. And I think it's uh, it's not only to slow down, but um, a lot of times when we go into conversations, we go in with an idea, a goal that we want to achieve. And proactive listening means that you might not end up with that same goal because you actually need to listen to the other person first first so if you have sort of assumptions already on what you think the other person might be thinking or what you want them to think then it can be really challenging because it's very conflicting um but essentially essentially what proactive listening helps with again it really helps with obviously building those relationships um it's 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 not really possible without that i think to to be able to build that trust it's also making sure to get to a right solution. So I, I emphasize on this as well because of what I mentioned that a lot of times we just have a set idea of how we think something should work. In SEO, we do the work, we're researching, um, we, we look at case studies and we have an idea of like, this is what we want to do. And then we go and talk to our stakeholders or our leadership with our idea that that's what we want to achieve. But the reality is, the process is how the business is set up, what the business wants to achieve has to play into that. And in order for us to come up with a really collaborative solution, we have to listen to the stakeholders and leadership, and we have to listen to why things are important to them. And I think it's also um, another reason is also that not everyone is a great communicator. Communication is obviously another uh, soft skill I mentioned there, but your stakeholders or your leadership might not be a great communicator. So unless you're a really good listener, you might actually miss the point because they might not be communicating it the best way or they might 
not be saying it the way you can easily understand it. So it's hard work to to listen with the goal to actually understand what the other person is like means by what they are saying. Well, outstanding. I mean, this this dovetails nicely into your Mascon talk, um, which was titled "The Things I Learned from Sales That Every SEO Should Know." So I loved this talk, by the way. I think you you deserve all of the praise that you've been getting on SEO Twitter and elsewhere. It's different than the typical how to improve your page speed type presentation, how to do keyword research, sort of tactical. I wonder if you could set this up for us a little bit, though. How did you come to work closely with sales in the first place and learn all this stuff? Sure. So I started my SEO career in-house. I was working in travel and fashion, um, both in e-commerce and I, I really, really enjoy that. And what I think a lot of um, SEOs sort of see as well as they as they grow their careers is that the, the higher the higher up you, you get sort of as you become an SEO manager, um, you really have to divide your time between actually executing SEO and doing the practical hands-on bit. But a lot of your time is actually taken up by meetings, by talking to leadership, um, by having challenging conversations with stakeholders. So as I sort of had that experience, I realized that as painful as it can be, I, I really, really enjoy it. And I really enjoy getting better at it and learning from some of those conversations and doing it better next time. So um, I'm also a very technical person and I really enjoyed using some of my enterprise tools at the time. So when I've seen a job with one of these enterprise tools, I wanted to explore that. Um, and essentially what that meant is that I can help for, for these, for the software companies, what I've been doing for the last three years, I can help the sales teams facilitate those conversations from a technical point of view. So I'm pretty much just took that second half of my job that I was doing in house anyway, and just made it into my career. Very interesting. Very interesting. So. You know, to get into the talk itself, the first part is about SEO maturity, that basically organizations are at different stages of maturation when it comes to SEO. It, in simple terms, what, what helps to distinguish a mature and an immature organization as it relates to SEO? Sure. So I think one sort of like easier example to give is that if you're often hearing the phrase that things need to be SEO'd, and you have right. your, your content and can you just please SEO this content or, or submit your optimization after things have been launched, then, then that's clearly a more immature state because what we really want to achieve is for SEO to be really part of that iteration process, ideation process, and it, for it to really be collaborative and for you, to, for you as an SEO to be really integrated into whether that's the product team, the marketing team, um, the, the real goals that you're trying to achieve, you want to be involved from the early stages and you are you want to be considered. I love that. So there's something you, you have this OMG graph that you use. Uh, with your permission, I'd like to link to the OMG graph in the show notes. It, first of all, is this something for public consumption and how do you use that? That was a very interesting yeah, so it's a publicly available graph. Um, yeah, I, I uh, created that with, with Torres Help, Torres Great from uh, the Great Company. So um, I actually started working on this as soon as I left my in-house SEO role. Um, 
And I, I started developing this because I thought it can help the conversations I'm having with sales. Because the first question I always wanted to understand is, um, what sort of maturity level does the client have? How much are they being understood? Because I knew my challenges, the, the two companies I worked for, I knew that I was perceived very differently because the maturity was at very different levels. So that was really important for me to be able to understand how, what level of maturity do, do those clients have, which is why I started to put this together as a resource. And um, after that, I, I really wanted to make this more sort of generically available, not just for enterprise, for any sort of business. And I, I asked Tori to help with that. Obviously she has a great amount of experience working in agency. Uh, so she's been really helpful with um, helping sort of develop that and, and helping develop the, the right questions for, for anyone to measure that. So it's publicly available and it focuses on four core areas, um, the efficiency, technology, strategy, and culture. And I think what's important about it is that maturity can, can change a lot. And I think that the, the one sort of example I could give here is that let's say you're working in a business that has high level of SEO maturity. You're, you're considered as part of the process. You're, you're asked um, about your views and opinions and, and uh, your recommendations. But let's say that's because you have a CMO who's very supportive of the SEO strategy and, and you built a really good relationship with them. Now, let's say that CMO leaves and now the business is hiring for someone else. Of course, processes and, and the technology you have could be really helpful going forward, but you, there, is, there is sort of, in order to replace that missing piece from the culture, what that CMO potentially have created around SEO, will need to be replaced and you will need to work again with whoever is being hired next to, to recreate that culture. So it's not something that you can sort of set and forget. It's, it's definitely something that forms with time and, and you, that's why I mentioned in the talk, you need to not only focus on growth, but you need to focus on how you can nurture it. I love it. I love it. And then going through the talk, the next lesson learned was that things aren't always as they appear. So. Throughout the talk, you're talking about buy-in land, which is something I think many people listening to can relate. So we've all probably had that experience of, you know, in the talk, somebody is saying SEO is of paramount importance. And then we get the budget and it shows that it is not of paramount importance. Or uh, you have a term that I love that is the buy-in-ish cycle, right? What, what is the buy-in-ish cycle and what lessons have you learned maybe to, to avoid it if we can? Yeah, sure. So the, the buy-in cycle is really something that looks like you've got buy-in. Someone is saying yes, but what they actually mean is no, um, or just yes, but. <laughs> um, so I think, I think the buy-in we, we can probably often relate to that is, is when the business tells us that SEO is really important. And of course they will prioritize it and they will focus on it. But as you said, it doesn't necessarily reflect in the budget and the support and the resources that are being allocated to SEO. And um, yeah, I think, well, during the talk, I, I obviously mentioned this as well, but I think what's important about it, first of all, is to recognize it because the, the, the reason why I put that ish and I didn't name it to something else is because it does often looks like buying and we don't necessarily realize 
that we are actually kind of being put into a more difficult position than if someone would just say, no, just forget this idea, focus on something else, don't waste your time here. That a lot of times can be can be much better because if you get this, if you get sort of um, into this buy-in-ish cycle, if you get into this loop, then you're essentially just wasting time, not actually achieving the right results. You're, you feel like you're moving a step forward, but two step backwards every time. All right, so that's that's awesome. So the advice is be a little bit more skeptical of yes, be a little bit more jaded maybe. And um, and I think this is a great insight because it's about reframing things a bit. You know, like uh, instead of getting to yes, we are only trying to get to the next step. I think that's how you put it. Get to the next step in a, in a multi-step process. So here's the next issue I can see. There's uh, you're, you're talking to stakeholders now they are going to want to know KPIs and anything that doesn't fit into the KPI, uh, anything that isn't a metric that you can measure is tough in buy in land. So I can confirm there's something from your talk that I can definitely confirm that, uh, you know, having someone watch GBP and make sure that the hours are correct and that it's optimized properly and all that is really, really important. But I can't really prove that I you would have lost money or that some negative would have happened uh, if you didn't have this person doing that. So how, the, the idea is, how do you address the unaddressable? That's the question that your talk asks. So I will ask your question back to you. How do you address the unaddressable things that are don't fit in that KPI, don't have a nice, neat metric? How do you address those sorts of things? Yeah, so I think that's where, again, soft skills become important as well. So storytelling really helps with that. Everyone understands stories. So create those user-specific stories with examples. So you can still use, well, you, you should still use data um, wherever you find data to, to sort of paint that picture and paint that story, really. But a story can really help address something that's unaddressable. And that story will help you understand more about the business challenges as well that will actually get you to the right data. Because there is... In, in my experience, at least, there is almost always data out there. Probably the problem is there is too much data out there and too many different case studies and resources. And let's say if we are focusing on business hours and local SEO, we just look for local SEO case studies, but that data we find maybe doesn't speak to our leadership or doesn't speak to our stakeholders. So it's it's probably much more beneficial to start start with a story start with questions start with concerns start with understanding what data does the business actually have because we always look at search console data google analytics data do we also look at crm data do we also look at the store data the store sales do we ask the store managers if uh, people complain about this. I had this experience in my past. I worked e-commerce retail. Both both my roles were e-commerce e retail, where um, we actually had a back to floor day where the digital team would go to the retail stores to help out for one of the, on one of the busiest days. And some of the questions I I asked were obviously what sort of questions people come in with. And one of the the store managers actually told me that some people came in complaining about. The, the data being inaccurate and that's a real customer who came into the store and why that's not necessarily the quantitative data you you want to have that shows how many millions of pounds or dollars you're using 
that is still a real customer story that you can reference and and sort of starting with that initiative you can start exploring where can i look at um, more of the store data do we have anything on like um bank holiday hours or like holiday any holiday hours and the sales and how does that change it's it, it's really part of the conversation but i think you need to use those soft skills the storytelling the collaboration piece to get to the right data to address the unaddressable i i i agree with everything you're saying this is a, i think that's a really good insight and it works well so the the next part in this process that know your audience so in this case i think this sounds like something as marketers we do all the time like know your audience but it's not even the customer necessarily and you're talking this is about the audience's leadership so you've been through some of these these battles uh in buy-in land and in where it's gone well you know walk me through some of the common i don't know pitfalls of understanding leadership what, what are people not getting um, I think there are a couple of things here. So one thing I, I, I think mentioned in the talk as well is that we we don't always remember that leadership are also human beings. Um, he, you know, have their have their problems. We, we we try to put these conversations sort of out of that box, and 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 if and if they don't go exactly as we planned because leadership didn't listen to us because they had a had a bad day or something like it, it just it just gets us a bit derailed. So I think just understanding that we're we're all humans and and just understanding them on a human level is really important what type of people they are now um once we we do that then obviously that really helps with um choosing the right language as well choosing the right story the right examples the right narrative if we understand them better we know what what sort of use cases will will talk to them and um the the third thing um Oh, there was a third thing which um just got out of my mind now <laughs> um yeah so obviously yeah. there are there is the there is the language um oh yes i know so this is this is something i've i've made as a mistake many times uh early on in my career so i i was always very enthusiastic about seo so whoever wanted to talk to me about seo i went in not only with the sort of maybe more technical language but also with the with the idea to educate people more not necessarily in a in a in a bad way but still leadership does not want to be educated in most cases especially not um if you're going in to talk to them so um my approach definitely changed a lot after the first few conversations where um i think i had a more educational approach and i i was i was trying it out that way. Even I, I heard sometimes from leadership to say like, yes, we, we want you to, we want you to come in and educate the, the teams and educate the company. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean they want you to educate them. <laughs> so at least in my experience, make sure to, um, to again, choose a language and choose storytelling instead of, I don't know, trying to, trying to create a, a session that that is focusing on explaining them what hreflang is or what um i don't know what's the helpful content update about like you don't you don't have to mention that you don't have to phrase it that way right like you can the helpful content update is a perfect example where you can reference that something is important to google but it's actually so user focused you already have those stories there that, there that you can tell to to focus on that, to focus on writing 
relevant and helpful content to your customers. I love it. Well, the last thing to ask you about, so you can't win every fight, right? You get into these rooms, you're, you're one of many stakeholders. Um, this is a story about prioritization, I guess, which is, is popular for SEOs, but it's really a little bit about checking your ego. So this is hard for, for, I think I'll just say it's hard for me. So we work really hard to come up with a strategy for SEO. Bust our butt for like a long time, um, put pour a bunch of hours into it, and now we're we're gonna have a fight over some things. Some things gotta go. Like we gotta we gotta prioritize and figure out what are the top most important things. I think as again, this as a human being, this can be hard because you have to check your ego at the door. How can you decide what to take out on something that you've poured your 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 energy into at work? How how do you go about doing that? Yeah, very good question. I think I mentioned this in the talk as well that like this is probably the hardest one for me still as well. And um and I even said it's not necessarily something I myself always follow, <laughs> but it's still a good advice. I know it works. When you manage to follow it, it it works out well, but it's very difficult to let things go. Um I I would say exactly what, what you mentioned, uh focusing on do I, you know. Well, I just want to prioritize this because of ego, because it helps my KPIs. Um, it could be, you know, it could be emotional reasons. Again, just we are attached to specific projects that we just really want to do because we enjoy working on them. So I think it's important to double check all of those. And, and obviously with the right sort of prioritization metrics, you can uh, be much more objective about it. So you can, you can create a, a prioritize prioritization list that way. Um, I also recommend it to include probability here. So focus on what's important for your leadership and stakeholders as well, and what's likely to actually get implemented the way you want it to happen, because there is nothing worse when you really love a project and you really want to make sure that it happens. And then you keep hearing the yes, but actually what gets implemented is not really what you wanted. It's, it's probably worse than if it just wouldn't have been implemented in the first place because now it's it's something that's been sort of close to your heart and and it just doesn't look like how you want it to look like and you can't report on the results either so um i think that would be my advice another sort of part of this advice to kind of bring this back a bit is that if you're focusing on those soft skills if you're focusing on collaboration if the projects are being developed with the right stakeholders in mind then there is, it is much more likely that the strategy and the, the list of tasks you will come up with um, will already be a list of tasks that is achievable and you have to sort of deprioritize and let go less and less of them. So it's kind of like if it's more of an iterative process, then you can, you can actually probably find that um, there are not as many sort of, oh, I already worked out this full idea and project and, and created all the resources for it. And now I just have to forget about it. Yeah, I love it. Well, well, well outstanding. I, I love all the work you're doing. And I really like this. There's just a, a thread throughout all this to be a little bit less ego focused, a little bit more humble about the work that we do, which I, I think goes a long way. But I, I have to move forward to everyone's favorite part of the show. This is where Greg Gifford gives me a question for the guests, but he doesn't give me any context. So I don't know any more than you do, and it's a bit of a high wire act for both of us. It just gives me one or two words for you. He, Greg says conference slides or gorgeous 
slides. I'm sorry. I believe this has to do with your conference slides and the presentation. Does this ring a bell at all to you? <laughs> Yes, it does. Yes. Um, I, I spent quite a bit of time on my conference slides and uh, I've got some very nice tweets from Greg and, and I spoke to him in person as well at the conference. Um, I There's actually a, a sort of funny story behind that because um, when I get stressed or uh, when just things are overwhelming, which obviously as you develop a conference topic, you know, there is there is pressure, there is good, good stress, but still there is imposter syndrome. My way to cope with that has always been to sort of bring my creative side a bit forward. So um, I I started drawing and designing things. So I've been using some of the original um, Alice in Wonderland drawings and like using some coloring and some different backgrounds to create the slides, um, which def I definitely spent hours, days even on that. Um, but I, I don't even know because that was just my balancing out all the pressure and and all the stress uh, to to make sure that I can, uh, yeah, do, do a good job. Well, it, it was a hit. Everybody loved it. And I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I like, uh, I like the sorts of topics that you're talking about and I think we need more of it. So I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to give you a, a virtual cheers. That's all our time for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Sus and Search. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you.